In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Cowboys owner and general manager Jerry Jones met with the media on Tuesday at the Senior Bowl. He was asked if he had to talk himself into bringing Coach Mike McCarthy back. Here's what Jones had to say. This is not a talk yourself into it, but it obviously uh, gives you a lot of things to uh, consider and uh, think about. And everybody has options, uh, but uh, uh, this one I'm very comfortable with and uh, felt good during the year of the job that Mike was doing, thought the team was responding well. He is in the final year of his contract, so he's under contract, so we didn't have to really do anything at all. And uh, the idea of uh, renewing a contract uh, uh, doesn't necessarily happen at all uh, right after the last game. It can happen at any time. And so uh, 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 that's kind of a, uh, a, a wrong signal to send that there's not uh, more future than just this year. I thought we made a pretty good move four years ago when we hired Mike McCarthy. And he's had some great uh, in-season success. Now, he's come up short three times, three times and advanced us in the playoff. Okay? But I like the fact that he's hanging around the rim. And I like what the team has done to uh, to hang around the rim. So I think uh, of what the answer that I would have is that I'm aware that we're hanging around the rim. Uh, We're not getting the ball in, but we're hanging around the rim. Yeah, but Jerry, plenty of guys who hang around the rim get dunked on repeatedly, and that's what's happening in the postseason. You hang around the rim, and then here comes Shaq, and and you get you get your fingers broken against the rim when he pushes the ball. Well, through. So yeah, twenty eight minutes. Jerry that, hey, right. I you know I admire these guys in their eighties that keep going and unlimited energy. I mean, st- it's hard for me to stand in one place for 28 minutes now. After we were out on the field before the game the other day, like, I came back in, and it's like, oh, my hip hurts and my knee hurts. And man, Come on, old man Magoo. Out there. So, 28 <laughs> minutes. 28 minutes, Jerry Jones went on and on. But, look, Chris, he's capable of talking himself into anything. We all, we all are the greatest salespeople in the world to ourselves. Yeah. We all talk ourselves into whatever it is we want to do. Right. And he's very good at talking himself into it and then trying to talk everybody else into it. No, he's the master talker. He's as smooth as they get. You know, I mean, Jerry Jones, you, you talk to him, he's, he's a lot of fun to talk to, right? I mean, he's entertaining. He's smart as hell. You know, he, he could you know, sell a Pinto to a billionaire. He's great that way. I've always enjoyed him. Now, he doesn't like me anymore because I probably have criticized the Cowboys a few times, so he gives me the cold shoulder now. He liked me a lot more when I wasn't in this business and an ex-football player. But you know, I, of course, respect what he's done. He's done great things, right? I understand his thoughts about Mike McCarthy. Yeah, like you said, 
he's hanging around the rim. But what I would question a little bit is just like, yeah, you know, hanging around the rim, but like lost to the 49ers a few years ago, and they were probably the better team that year. Should have won the game at home. You know, blew the game that way, right? You know, this year, I think you look at it too and go, yeah, you're around the rim, but you lost by 16 to the Packers, right? I mean, really worse than that. We know that. It was really worse than that. 24, yeah. 30, whatever you want to say. The Packers took their foot off the gas pedal. And then that same team who dunked on you, to use your analogy, they outplayed the 49ers and still couldn't win the game. So I don't know how close are you to around the rim. And that's where I'll go to, to Mike McCarthy's done some really good things. I think we all would like a little bit more. I get that too. But I got to think that part of this is Jerry Jones has to look at it a little bit and go, wait, wait. And, and hopefully Mike McCarthy said to this to him, and I said this to you a few weeks ago, like, why did you think we were supposed to win the Super Bowl, Jerry, this year? What, what, why? Like, we're, our roster's not in the class of some of these other the teams we're talking about right now. I mean, again, we're talking about a team that didn't have defensive tackles that could stop the run. They had linebackers that nobody can name, right? You know, safeties that aren't that great. So, again, to me, you know, that to me is I hope where Jerry Jones came to the realization of going, hey, Mike McCarthy could do a little bit better, but I'm the one that's kind of, again, giving him the ingredients to cook the meal, and not all my ingredients have been up to par. You know, we, we haven't, you know, hit, it, hit in all areas, and we got some work to do in our department too. And hopefully that's where they, they came to this idea of keeping McCarthy. And look, not too early to consider what they're facing next year as champions of the NFC East. Yeah. We know the opponents will find out the schedule at some point in May. They play six games against their division rivals. They have the Ravens and the Bengals come to town and the Texans. Oof. They go to Pittsburgh. They go to San Francisco. They go to Cleveland. The only good news is the rotation has them playing the four teams of the NFC South, which could be better this year. Could be better, but they could have drawn all of the NFC West or all of the NFC North, which seems to be on the rise. But right. they do end up playing the Lions next year at home as well. So because you win the division, you play the team that won that division too. So it's not going to be an easy stretch for the Cowboys to no. get to 12-5 and five again. And the regular season doesn't matter. It's what are you going to do in the postseason. That's what Mike McCarthy's employment is going to hinge on. Now, Jerry kind of cracked the door open a little bit about the possibility of giving him a contract, but it's already been baked in, this idea. And I think it was Shefty that said this. Jerry Jones thinks people work better when they're under pressure. And if Mike McCarthy, Chris, wasn't already under enough pressure, knowing he's entering the final year of his contract, these quotes surfaced yesterday. Not part of the 28-minute press conference. Jory Epstein of Yahoo Sports has comments from Jerry Jones on William S. Belichick. I know him personally, and I like him. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None. None. We all know that he's certainly excellent, maybe at the top of his profession. To say that any one person automatically assures you're a Super Bowl is ridiculous. That's too high an expectation for him. But is he maybe the greatest pro football coach of all time? Could very well be. He is a friend, and I like him, and I want to make it real clear. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have any problem working with him. Still sounds like Ross Perot. <laughs> so, so that's why, that's why, the, 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 look, I know that some believe there's no way Jerry would surrender any of the credit, the control, the, the limelight to Bill Belichick. 
And maybe it's all bullcrap. Maybe he's just trying to keep people interested. Maybe he's just trying to put more heat on Mike McCarthy. Maybe, maybe he never would hire Bill Belichick. But that's what he said. If we're going to take anything that he said at face value, why would he say that and not mean it at least at some level? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. He's definitely cracking the door, leaving the door open for that possibility. I think like we said at the time when we were talking about this a few weeks ago and there was rumors that this could be a possibility is, one, I think Jerry Jones is getting to an area of his life where he's desperate. He'll, he'll maybe relinquish some control on a few subjects for Bill Belichick to come in and get him back to the Super Bowl. He will. I think that's what we're getting to, right? So uh, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, there's pressure on Mike McCarthy. I, w- that's where, like, there's pressure on Mike McCarthy no matter what. I know Jerry doesn't like to pay people not to work. But, like, really, does anybody out there, if they gave him an extra year or two extension, do we really think, like, if it doesn't go well next year that Jerry might, won't fire Mike McCarthy? I mean, come on. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. He's going to do what he's got to do and what's right for the Cowboys and, and that football team there. So I don't think it really matters. There's great pressure on McCarthy. And, man, I'd pay money to watch Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick work together. And you know what he could do? He could give him an extension with no guaranteed money in it just to get sure. to shut up about yeah, it, to take right. some of the heat off right. of Mike McCarthy and That's create right. the perception he's not a lame duck, and then you just fire him. Remember, the first time they did that was with Rex Ryan when he got like his last contract before he was fired. It created the impression that he's got security, and then you see the fine print, and people start reporting on the fact that there's a lot of it that wasn't guaranteed. It right. used to be everything was always guaranteed yeah. for coaches. and Now can, percentages are sometimes. Contracts. Right. Right. They, they could they could do that if they want to just to get people to quit talking about it. But you know what? I still think at some level, Jerry Jones likes the fact that we have reasons to talk about the Cowboys when they're not playing. No doubt about that. It's the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And now here's a way for how about them Cowboys to be discussed and for him to create some intrigue and drama and wonder for what might happen after the 2024 season. It's a reality show. It's a reality show. It is the ultimate reality show, and Jerry Jones has run it like a reality show 10 years before reality shows ever even became a thing. Yeah. He had the instincts. He did. That the more that people think about it, talk about it, write about it, read about it, the better off he is. The more his brand increases in value and the more money he makes, and he can go buy you know, a boat the size of an aircraft carrier. Now, now, the other thing that popped up, yesterday Uh Greg Bedard was on 98.5 the sports hub in Boston and it was one of those things where there's a difference between what you'll say extemporaneously in a radio interview and what you'll write I went to bostonsportsjournal.com it's behind a paywall but I I, from what I could tell he has no story up that was obvious on this right but he did say that the rumor mill at the Senior Bowl is that if things hadn't worked out for Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, and we know that that postseason meeting with ownership can be very critical. It brought down Doug Peterson, had their postseason meeting three years ago. They reached an impasse over what they were going to do with the coordinators, and out was Doug Peterson. If Sirianni had been out, they were interested in Bill Belichick. And Belichick now hovers over whatever happens with the Eagles in 2024. So you got the Cowboys and you got the Eagles who we both thought would be in play potentially for Belichick. Yeah. They stay with who they have. Right. But now, if he doesn't take a head coaching job, and there's only two currently available, 
he's going to hover over both teams in 2024, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I expect that. I mean, the Eagles, it's, it's, I think the Eagles organization, you talk to anybody that knows them around them, they, they, yeah, the coaching was the problem this year, period, period. That, that's what they believe. They believe that they were coached better, that they would have been better, period. That, that's the thought. So I understand that. It's a big year for Nick Sirianni. He's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Now, some of that coaching I don't think was totally his fault. We kind of discussed the coordinator stuff and all that. The offensive side of the ball, though, Nick Sirianni, he's an offensive coach. That, that's him. That's his department. He is, he, there is reason to blame him there. But he's done good things, and I think it was the right thing for them to stay the course with Nick Sirianni. There's no doubt about that. We saw that locker room. I mean, everybody really gave a glowing endorsement of Nick Sirianni. They love him. I don't, they, they can't fake it. Well, that not good. everybody. Not everybody. Jalen Hurts not was the, well, the weakest one of all. Right. We talked about that last week. You're right. But to your point, Belichick, Vrabel, are going to hover over everybody next year, and especially situations like this where they go, wait, this isn't a rebuild. We're ready. We just need a coach in here that can give us the right X's and O's, and we'll go to the Super Bowl. And that's where Vrabel and Belichick are going to be at the, the front of the line for teams that feel like they're ready, but they didn't reach their expectations next year during the regular season. So we already got four head coaches hired next year. Boom. Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, <laughs> Ben Johnson, and Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick. Two guys. We figured it out. At one end of the spectrum, two guys at the other end of the spectrum, and it comes down to what you're looking for organizationally. And this really is important. This is one of the reasons why Bill Belichick didn't get a job this cycle. You have to be prepared as an owner of the team to throw in the keys to the car and let him drive it wherever he wants, even if it means – him coming in with a list of all the people he wants you to fire or reassign on day yeah, one, right. because I don't know who this person is. I don't trust him. I've never heard him. And I heard, I know, I you know, I heard something. Now I don't want this one. I don't want this one. I don't. I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. Here's what I want. And you got to be ready to do it. And there's no guarantee anybody's going to be ready to do it next year. And the question is, will he not be that way? I think in Atlanta. He wanted to be that way, and it's one of the reasons why I didn't get the job because right. it was going to create an issue with Rich McKay and right. others in the front office. To go to Dallas, he better be willing to accept whatever they do, and and I think he would. He's praised repeatedly Stephen and Jerry Jones for right. what they've done. Right. Like I said, you don't need to go shop for the groceries to make a – a great meal if they already have a kitchen stocked better than you ever stocked the Patriots yeah. in New England but for falling into Tom Brady with 199th pick in the draft. So that that's the how much do the two guys who are perceived to be wanting control how much are they going to soften between now and next year? That's the real question. Yeah, you're exactly right. And those are two situations where you know, Belichick might have enough, like you're talking about, trust in the process. Those two organizations where, you know, you're talking about have enough pelts on the horse to go, wait, I'll, I'll let Jerry continue to pick the groceries a little bit. I'll let Howie continue to do that. They got to figure it out. I certainly can't argue with that. That could be two situations there where, yeah, I, I could certainly see him, you know, bowing to that, to that, that type of scenario. But he's truly got to be all in. Yep. Peter King and I talked about this on Friday. One of my first lessons in NFL organizational dysfunction happened 20-plus years ago, and I think it involved the Jets. When the GM brings somebody in, 
either spends the money or devotes a significant draft pick, and the head coach just puts the guy at the end of the bench, never plays him, never develops him, didn't want him there. Right. So that's how a guy who doesn't have control can still exercise control. And if you are a big personality coach and you run the room and the GM gives you somebody you don't want, that person just ends up being a pawn in the broader power play. You need to be confident that's not going to happen because that's not going to be good for anybody if that's what plays out. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we talked about the Falcons' job. They were looking because they moved on from Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith has landed a new job for himself for 2024 and hopefully for him beyond. More PFT Live right after this. Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons for three years, taking that awesome mustache 100 miles north of where I'm sitting right now. The new offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is expected to happen officially very soon. He was the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans for two years before he became head coach of the Falcons. Your immediate reaction to Arthur Smith taking over the Pittsburgh offense. Perfect fit. Perfect. Makes sense. Mike Tomlin football. I mean, this is a guy that's rooted in... Mike Munchak, Mike Malarkey, right? Vrabel, tough, physical. We're going to win the line of scrimmage. You know, we're going to know how to run the ball with Najee Harris. We're going to be creative within the run scheme and do that. You know, I, I, that's where I think people don't realize, like, hey, they Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator, 2019 Titans. They go to the AFC Championship game. They had a top 10 or 11 offensive football, one of the top rushing offenses in football. 2020, the year before he became the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill, right? Number two offense in football, only behind the Kansas City Chiefs, ahead of Josh Allen and Brian Dayball of the Buffalo Bills. So there's some stuff there, certainly. I think he fits the tough mantra of Tomlin, Pittsburgh. We're going to play smash mouth football, and then he's going to have some creative ways to throw the ball down the football field and be aggressive. That's, that's where I like the fit, Mike. And it raises a lot of questions. Art Rooney, the owner of the team, met with reporters or yeah. did a he, – he just started popping up everywhere on Monday. I don't know if he was doing a media tour or what. He was on radio, I think. But he said a lot of different things. They have to decide what they're going to do with Najee Harris's fifth-year option. They still believe in Kenny Pickett. There's something you know that Mason Rudolph showed late in the year and in the playoffs that they like. I just wonder what Arthur Smith is going to want to do at quarterback, especially with Ryan Tannehill available. I mean – I know Ryan Tannehill's been around for a while now, mid-30s, drafted in the top 10 in 2012, the same year that Kirk Cousins was drafted, right. same year Russell Wilson was drafted. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, if he's healthy, he's better than what they currently have, isn't he? Well, it's, it's, it's close. I don't think it's, yeah, it's in a lot of ways, yes, I would say so. You know, again, Kenny Pickett, we haven't seen it yet. Now, maybe with a better offensive coordinator and a, a better plan altogether, maybe he could show us, you know, what he's truly capable of. But I, I think you know, I'm, I've always kind of been a Ryan Tannehill defender, right? I think he's a little bit better than people realize. We're taking the AFC championship, number two offense in football, like we're talking about. I know he hasn't been perfect. He's not a superstar, but. Yeah, that'd be a place where I certainly would fit the mold of like exactly what you're saying, right? Yeah, we got Pickett here. He's the starter, but 
A guy like Ryan Tannehill comes here, he's you're not like in stone as a starter. You're going to have to out, outperform him every day and then keep your job during the regular season as well on top of that. I certainly could see them make that type of move, Mike. That would make a lot of sense. And even if they are overmatched offensively, you have a coordinator who can take the ingredients and whip it up That's into right. something. Like one of those cooking shows where right. they just have like, you know, like a, a you know, bag of chocolate chips and, you know, a clump of flour and some cinnamon and this, that, and the other thing. And it turns out to be something that's pretty good. It's just like a bunch of crap that you throw together. Maybe Arthur Smith can do that with whatever they have, whatever they choose to have at the key positions on offense and whatever they have by way of offensive line. But that always feels like a team that's driven by its defense and an offense that does enough to complement the defense. But Arthur Smith – and, you know, what's going to happen is Steelers fans aren't going to be happy until they see progress. They just want to see yeah, progress. They right. want to see a better offense. And there may be a ceiling on how good the Steelers' offense can be, especially if your primary options at quarterback are going to be Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. All due respect to them. Over the weekend, there were some – coaching moves, especially at the offensive coordinator position. Eagles end up with Kellen Moore, who went from Dallas to one year with the Chargers, and obviously they're moving on to Jim Harbaugh now. Kellen Moore back in the division, back with the Eagles, primary task, getting more out of Jalen Hurts. How do you feel about that fit? Yeah, I, I like it. I, I, I like it. I'm also interested in to see what kind of spin he puts on the offense, right? Kellen Moore is not exactly known to be like spread – quarterback design run read option type of guy right that's not what he's been does he have that in his offense a little bit surely yes but to the level to where it can maximize Jalen Hurts that's the thing I'm kind of excited to see where this goes his offense has been more predicated through drop back pass game and that's what we saw right I mean Dak Prescott the Cowboys two years ago right it was it was it the number one offensive football or right around there so it'll be a different spin on things there in Philadelphia. Some new, new ideas for that offense. I think that's where I like it, uh, and he is one of the better young minds in football right now. So I, I'm, I'm down with that fit, Mike. A couple other moves that happened as well. Joe Brady stays as offensive coordinator of the Bills. What's that mean for Stephon Diggs? That was something we discussed last week because he didn't seem to be a big part of the Joe Brady offense. And Ken Dorsey, the former Bills offensive coordinator, goes to one of the teams he played for during his time in the NFL Ken Dorsey right. taking over the Browns offense these offensive coordinators it's just what you're jumping around I'm it's it's just weird to see I know we have to take a break but it's just weird to see these guys who failed in one place resurfacing somewhere else like what's going to be different I don't know maybe if you have better players the coach looks better like we said earlier great players make coaches look great but at a time when you can hire position coaches from other teams to right. be your coordinator. It's just weird to see not as much movement up and it's just recycling of guys who got fired elsewhere. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, we know this is part of the NFL. It's part of the things that bother, you know, us at times, right? Hey, you did a poor, you did a, you did a horrible job. Here's an upgrade. Here's more money. Here you go. Why? Well, cause I knew him five years ago and that's why we're going to upgrade him. I, oh, okay, great. You'll probably be fired after next year, but I don't think, like, <laughs> with this case here, like Kellen Moore, I, I don't think you look at it and go, oh, he failed, right? I mean, he had some top five, top three offenses in Dallas. Last year, the Chargers, it certainly was more – it was Herbert injuries and dealing with the worst defense in football. It's hard to be the offensive coordinator and look real great with that formula. I can tell you that. So, you know, that's one where I go, I can understand him getting a job. He's certainly worthy of that. Ken Dorsey, you know, that's a guy where, yeah – 
He, I think, can add ideas. Kevin Stefanski runs the offense there. We know that. That's it's his job. But now you got a new guy that comes in and adds a few, you know a little new spin on things. He's been with a Josh Allen and knows uh, about a mobile quarterback. Oh, Deshaun Watson could do those things. So I understand that hire too. And and Joe Brady, hey, he he did a really good job for being in the tough situation he was in, right? And now let's see if he has a full offseason to kind of put his spin on things and his formula to the test. We'll see where that Bills offense can go. But, you know, Mike, I'm with you. There, there's always that concern, but I, I not as much with these three as I usually have. I'm trying to placate Courtney by acknowledging we need to take a break, but I still want to say one more thing. It is amazing because from the perspective of ardent fans, you're the fan of your team and you hate all the other teams. The people within the industry have that relationship among each other, and they will shed the colors of one team and adopt the colors of another if that's where the paycheck is. Because I know somebody there, and I need a job. The team that I was working for, that I was all in with, and I had a closet full of their stuff, they don't want me no more. So i got to go find a different one, and then I'm going to go to another one, and then I'm going to go to another one, and that's just how it goes for the people in the industry. And it is driven by relationships. People hire folks they're comfortable with, people they know, and they're thinking maybe someday I need this guy to hire me if he rises up to be a head coach somewhere. All right, now we got to take a break. I had been begging for someone to be asked the question arising from the comments from Brock Purdy from two weeks ago that the 49ers wanted Tom Brady to be the starting quarterback this year. And somebody was finally asked the question yesterday, Chris. We'll tell you who it was and what they had to say next here on PFT Live. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. A couple of weeks ago, Brock Purdy told Nick Wagner of ESPN.com on the record, not a report, on the record, that he was told by Kyle Shanahan that if we can get Tom Brady, we're going to try to get him. Period. End of statement. If we can get Tom Brady, we're going to try to get him. Since then, neither Purdy nor Shanahan have been asked about it not once, despite multiple (laughs) media availabilities. Yesterday, Tom Brady doing a media tour to announce the merger of Noble with TB12. He was on Pat McAfee's show and elsewhere. But here he is from McAfee's show when somebody finally asked someone about Purdy linking Brady to the 2023 49ers. Here's what Brady had to say in response to that chatter. Yeah, Brock's done it. I think Brock's done a great job with the opportunity. You know, he got it and he's taken advantage of it. He was a late round pick. I know he's got a chip on his shoulder and he wants to go out there and prove every day that he's the right fit for that team. And there's a great, again, it's a great organization they're running. I really respect Kyle, um, but Brock's done a hell of a job. And, um, you know, I think in football, whether you're a free agent, you know, I, I've heard so many draft stories from when I was drafted. Oh, I was a scout for the Packers at the time. And oh, I was a scout for the Colts at the time. And had we taken you, and I think you can look at everything in football and say, what if, what if, what if? And the reality is I deal with what happened and the decisions that were made, whether it was free agency for me, whether it was signing contracts with the Patriots. And, you know, in this last off season, there's a lot of different things that people would suggest, but I kind of just kept my mind focused on where I wanted to go and, um, again, this was a great year for me to sit back and watch and learn and get prepared for 
for being in the in the Fox booth next year. Tom, did the 49ers try to sign you? I don't think that's been asked. I don't think it's ever been asked. Did the 49ers try to sign you last year? A lot of and deflection there. I don't even know that we there. need that to be asked right. because Brock Purdy said it. Brock Purdy said it. And I still don't know why it's being overlooked and disregarded and downplayed in the setup. We were listening to the setup of the question during the break. Pat referred to it as a report. And look, we're speaking extemporaneously. People misspeak all the time. Hell, I've probably done it 15 times today. But it wasn't a report. Purdy said it. When you hear report, it's kind of inherently dismissive. It's not treated as 100% fact. Right. Purdy said it. Yeah. He said it. Right. Kyle told me if we can get Tom Brady, we're going to get him. That's like huge bombshell news. And I don't get it. The entire ESPN machine has been ignoring it. And and McAfee's mentioned it a couple times that I've seen. And I, I think he's kind of downplaying it because he's very, very pro-Purdy, which is fine. You're allowed to have your opinion that you're pro-Purdy. There's plenty of people that are anti-Purdy and pro-Purdy. And there are us who are just saying, hey, the guy's doing great. Let's see what he keeps doing. But Purdy said it. I still can't believe this. I really do hope next week that somebody, of all those people who are going to be credentialed, yeah. to go to all those press availabilities of Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan, that somebody is going to frame it so they can't deflect, so they can't talk about something else. So they have to say to the world that it happened. Not that we even need it, because Purdy's already said it. No, we just want to hear somebody kind of acknowledge it and unpack it a little bit more, I guess. And it, explain it. Exactly. Tell us more. That's the big Tell thing. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's the GOAT. It's Tom Brady. It's the 49ers. It's one of the best organizations in football. It's the best offensive mind in football in Shanahan. Yeah, we're all curious about how that would have worked out or how far down the line were they. You know, I'm here to tell you 100%, as you heard me say last week when we talked about this a little bit, Brady, when he first retired and got out there, he kept the line of communications open with a few teams that he still had on his radar. That's the way I understand it from multiple people, right? It's like a hundred percent. He kept, he kept it, you know, out there. Like I'm not, I retired, but I'm not totally a hundred percent sure. And he kept that open lines of communication, whatever. And then at some point during the off season, he finally cut it off and went dark. And that's what everybody, I think, in football realized, okay, he's definitely retired. Like, that's it. And that's where it went. But there, there was definitely still some flirtation. Hey, don't forget about me. I'm not totally sure. I'm definitely done yet type of talk coming from Brady's camp. And I know that from people over there and from people in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, let, let's just hear somebody follow up with the questions. This is right. Well, and, and that's the thing. The, the, the topic itself – invites curiosity and and really that's the thing that drives anyone who is engaged in any type of media reporting natural curiosity ideally curiosity that lines up with what the fans would be curious about because we're the conduits we're the liaisons the emissaries if you will on behalf of the fans and we need to think of it like fans we need to be fans because that makes our natural curiosity become peaked when we hear and when we know the backstory, we know the background, we know the history. Right. There are so many questions that could be asked of Kyle Shanahan about this. Natural follow-up questions that he won't like, that he will regard as annoying. But, hey, Kyle, here's an example. Kyle, Tom Brady wanted to come play for you in 2020 and you said no. Why were you ready to say yes three years later? Why? 
Help us understand that. What does it mean for the future? What does Brock Purdy have to do to get you to not consider options elsewhere in the future, especially with, and I know we can't talk about Kirk Cousins. There's a way to artfully do it, but there may be other options available next year. Has Purdy done enough to get you to not consider anybody else? There are all sorts of questions that flow from acknowledging what Purdy said. I don't disagree. You're exactly right. Now, what? What? And again, who knows? If Purdy comes out in the Super Bowl and plays horrible and doesn't look good, well, maybe the 49ers come to the realization: okay, maybe he's not the guy for us. Maybe he can't do this in some of these moments, right? But I don't think they're there. Certainly not. He's done great things, as you know, and you've heard me say. And this is there's great confidence there in that organization and Brock Purdy. They like him. I think last year. Yeah. There was one guy out there that they'd go, okay, maybe we won't have Brock Purdy as our starting quarterback if we get this guy. And that's where you got to respect Shanahan and his honesty and telling Brock Purdy and exactly where it stands. Like, you're our guy. But if the greatest quarterback of all time says he wants to come here and play, uh, you're going to have to learn from him for one more year before you take over or whatever, however long that'll be. And, yeah, those are the things that – Hey, we're, we're, we all love this sport. It's a great story. It's the GOAT. It's the 49ers. It's Shanahan. Purdy's in the Super Bowl. You know, Brady grew up in San Francisco. Uh, Purdy's this – people are trying to compare him to Brady. So that's why we all want to know kind of the, 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 the story behind the story here. But if the ship has sailed, yep. tell us the ship yeah, has sailed. Right. Tell us that it is the SS Brock Purdy from now until yep. further notice. There's no discussion. And we all know Kirk Cousins is going to be available. We all know there's been a longstanding connection between Cousins and Shanahan. We all know that Shanahan took that job in 2017, intending to wait for Cousins in 2018. One of the reasons he didn't even take a serious look at Patrick Mahomes, who he could have drafted, could have had Patrick Mahomes, clear shot at Patrick Mahomes. Wouldn't have had to, it didn't matter, the Bears traded up a spot to get Mitch Trubisky. Wouldn't even have to sweat that out. You're going to get Mahomes at three. You could have traded down a few more and still gotten Mahomes in 2017. So, uh, we, we know he's had that wandering eye. Is the eye no longer wandering? Is Brock Purdy your guy? These are all questions that would flow from starting with what Purdy said. That's what amazes me. There, there hasn't been the question just to confirm that Purdy said what he said, but beyond that, what he said is the starting point for so many other questions that hopefully will get answered next week. And hopefully there will be more meaningful questions from the credentialed media than the kind of crap that we usually hear Super Bowl week, especially opening night when it's all sorts of irrelevant stuff. But that's okay. That's the way the Super Bowl goes. We'll take a break. More PFT Live right after this. We've mentioned a few times that there is this dynamic that has popped up around Brock Purdy, who is, by all appearances, just mild-mannered, go about by business, don't cause any trouble, but you've got a cluster of people who are ridiculously over the top, put him in the Hall of Fame right now. you got a cluster of people that think he's no good. I think he's pretty damn good, right. and there's many chapters left to be written in his book. We don't know where his ceiling is. He's only in year two. Now, that's not to say he's only in year two, put him in the Hall of Fame. What I'm saying is 
he has put himself top half of the NFL so far yeah, right. with the possibility that he will get better and better and better. And there's nothing like beating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl that will make him better. So the question for now is, where would you put him? And I know it's very difficult because if you ask somebody, hey, is so-and-so a top 10 quarterback? And you do that for all the quarterbacks, you're going to end up with 20 top 10 quarterbacks. <laughs> but where would we put him right now? Like, where's the where's the... The line of demarcation yeah. where you put him. Is it top 10? Is it top 15? Is it top 20? Where would you put him? I think you said it right. I look at it as definitely top half of football. Top 10? No way. I'm not ready to put him in the top 10 as we sit here right now. I'm not. Now, you know, why I think, hey, Shanahan loves Brock Purdy and all that. He's found his, you know, Kirk Cousins part two. That's kind of what he is, except this guy maybe has more mobility than Kirk Cousins and can scramble and make some plays off schedule. But, like, hey, let's, let's go through it quickly, right? I think we both can rattle off names here that there's no discussion. We would rather have this group here over Brock Purdy. Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. Right? And then you get into Kirk Cousins, right? So where are we at there? That's like 12, 13. And that's where it gets yes, dicey 12. into Kyler Murray, Matthew Baker Stafford. Mayfield. What about Matthew Stafford? I said Matthew Stafford. I, I did say that as part oh, of that sorry. ones I rattled off. Sorry. And then you get into sorry. the conversation of like, yeah, 12 through 15 is the Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Jordan Love. Where does that all fit in? But I think that's kind of the group he's in right there. Definitely not top 10. Somewhere between 11 and 12 and 15 and 16. Somewhere in there. Well, and... You know, one of the things that we became very sensitive to and aware of in the past several years, what we now see is the thing that sets quarterbacks above and beyond the rest, the ability to make something happen when the play that's called goes sideways. Right. Purdy is showing us right. that he has that. Yes. It's not as flashy. There isn't as much panache as there is with Patrick Mahomes. It's very meat and potatoes. And it's, you know what? They're not accounting for me in the possibility that I run it. Right. So I'm going to run it. And when I decide to run it, guess what? You can't catch me. Yes. It doesn't look great, but you That's can't right. catch me. That's right. It doesn't look cool, to your point. You're right. It's a, it's a, it's not a sexy delivery. You know, even when he runs, he takes off, and he kind of looks like nerdy white guy running the football, right? But it doesn't matter. It's fast. It is. I mean, there's he pulls away from some guys that you go, that's a pretty good athlete. This play right here. I mean, are you kidding me? Breaking the tackle? Alex Anzalone's pretty fast middle linebacker who he just ran away from, and Anzalone thought he had the angle. That, to me, is why, like, I would take Brock Purdy over Jared Goff. I would, you know? Hey, the pocket's all clean and everything's perfect. Yeah, okay, maybe I'd take Jared Goff, but that's not the that's not football in the NFL. That's not. You know, as we saw, Jared Goff had to move like five inches on a fourth down throw and he lost control of the football. He can't do stuff like that. To me, it's a very big, important part of the football game, Rad. Defenses are so talented. The coordinators are as creative and as crazy as ever. The coaches on the offensive side of the ball cannot be right all the time, and that's where you need a quarterback that can, you know, color outside the lines or make some backyard football happen a few times a game to get you over the hump, and that's what he did the other night. 
He looks faster than Patrick Mahomes when he runs. But when Mahomes runs, there's just that element of like a race car approaching the finish line with parts about to fly off. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like there's just that anticipation. Yeah. Like something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Purdy just, when he decides to go, he just goes. Yeah, he goes. And it's not flashy. Right. And it's not exciting. And it's not dramatic. He just goes. Right. And that's what separates great from good. So he's got the potential to be very soon top 10, maybe eventually top five. Nothing gets you into that conversation like winning Super Bowls. Nothing gets you into that conversation like beating Patrick Mahomes in the postseason, which only two quarterbacks have ever done. Tom Brady twice and Joe Burrow once. That is a tough task for any quarterback. And if Brock Purdy can pull it off, Brock Purdy gets yeah. in the top 10. Yeah. And Brock Purdy no longer has to talk about the time that they told me they were going to go get Tom Brady if they could. They're not going to try to get anybody. It's just a matter of time before somebody tells a young quarterback, we're going to go try to get Brock Purdy if we can. And if we can't, you'll be our quarterback next <laughs> yeah, year. Right. That's where he's trying to work it. That is. He's never going to, like, we're never going to be, wow, flamethrowers, lasers, bombs, whoa. It's not going to be that. It's not. It's going to be, like, surgical, great feel, anticipation. Every now and then put a little oomph on the ball, and we go, oh, he's got a little more arm than we thought. And then the scrambling. But that's what it's going to be more along the lines of. It's never going to be Josh Allen or Burrow or Mahomes, right? But what they're looking for is... They're Joe Montana. We'll carve you up with the Bill Walsh offense. And if you play all this coverage, hey, Joe can go run for five or six or eight or ten and keep moving the ball that way. And that's kind of what they got working with Brock Purdy right now. He's kind of a nice hybrid of Joe Montana and Steve Young. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You're right. I hear you. He does. His straight speed is real. You know, like you said, I, I don't know, in a straight-ahead race, I think he probably does take Mahomes. Where Mahomes is special is the body control. Obstacle course. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he can weave and move and stop and go. and that, like That's where Mahomes is like next level in that department. Everybody's so freaked out about what he's going to do next, they just don't go tackle him, and he catches people flat-footed yeah, exactly. and gets them to go this way and that way. All right. He has them thinking he may throw a pass 10 yards down the field. <laughs> no, it's so amazing. It's more fun to watch. Right. It's more fun to watch Wait, than Brock Purdy. Did you but see – When you win, oh, it's fun to watch. It, it, it's, it. it's fun to watch. Wait, did you see the one play the other day where he threw the ball to Kelsey – right behind the line of scrimmage and Kelsey acted like he was going to throw the ball and then went and got the first down. I mean, that that's, that, that's yes. the chiefs though. There wasn't even anybody downfield, but he was like, wait, this guy's about to tackle me. Let me see if I can pause. He'll think we're the chiefs. We might do something crazy here. Let me fake it. I mean, I've never seen a tight end catch a bubble screen and fake throwing the football, only the chiefs. That's, that's why they're a blast to watch. They need to put that in the Madden game just for the Chiefs. You need to be able to hit a button where you do <laughs> right. a fake pass. You can just throw it anywhere. Yards down the field. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, quick break. More PFT Live right after this. Third and goal, six-yard line. McCaffrey runs around. Purdy pressured. Purdy throws. Caught by Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk, Ayuk is on fire! Ayuk is on fire! 
자, 물러서서 멀리 던졌습니다. 어, It's great to hear the inter- uh, all the international it's- radio stations loving football. Hey, hey, and you know what the sound of that is for the NFL? It's Shut the sound chain. a cash register yeah. makes because that's what the NFL is trying to do. Globalize the sport. Make it as big as soccer. It'll never be as big as soccer. I'm sure we can find quotes from people in the 40s, 50s, and 60s who said that it'll never be as big as baseball. Oh, so definitely. Watch and wait and see right. what football becomes. I'll be dead by then. You'll be getting a lot closer than you are now. <laughs> but I think that over time, and it's going to get there, and it's going to get there. When they started playing those games in England in 2007, yeah. so this is a 100-year plan to catch and surpass soccer. All right. Uh, back in 2007, the idea of going to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl would have been incomprehensible for the National Football League. We are going next week. We'll be broadcasting live Different time slot. We'll get you all the details later in the week. I've already seen the beginnings of the guest list. I'm trying to see who I'm going to have to promise. <laughs> and I'm not doing it this year. No prizes for people who won awards. None. I won't bring it up. It. Don't worry. I, I won't year. say anything. I, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Right. Well, Justin Jefferson will be back, but he didn't win anything this year. So good. <laughs> but I'm making sure that we exclude anyone who has won an award from PFT this year. So they're not on the show, so I don't have to be put on the spot to give them something. But we'll have guests, we'll have shows, we'll be talking football, we'll be in Las Vegas. What are some of the things you're looking forward to? Well, I mean, I, I am excited. Other than dragging me to a craps table. Well, yeah, craps table. I'm excited to get you to smoke some Mary Jane, maybe have a drink. That's I'm excited for all that. The sphere. I can't wait to see the sphere in person, right? That great you know, digital thing that we see all the time on TV right now. And I, I'm excited. My kids have never seen Vegas, so they're coming out on the Friday before the game. I'm excited for them to see it, but I'm like a nerd. Like, I the most excited thing I get ready for for the Super Bowl, I can't wait to see the field. I love when they start to show the field and the different colors and how it's decorated for the year. When I start to see pictures of that, uh, that's when my blood starts to boil and I get excited for the, the Super Bowl. Wow. Wow. And let's hope it's not a slip and slide again like it was Seriously. last year right. in Arizona. Right. And then they blamed the players for not wearing the right cleats. It had nothing to do with the subpar preparation of the field. It was the players' fault. That was what the word was around the owners when you know people were saying, how could you have such a bad field? And that Las Vegas field, I've seen pictures of it. I hope they've worked on it. There are some around the edges there's some rough spots there. Hopefully they have it pristine and ready to go and not a slip and slide come Super Bowl 58. Quick break. More PFT Live right after this. Look at you, the Mr. Groundskeeper guy. Everybody's down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and there's plenty of chatter. And one of the things I've heard from multiple different people that I trust completely, Jim Harbaugh, Chargers. You know, the Chargers are very sensitive about being perceived as cheap. I'm told $16 million a year for Jim Harbaugh to take over the Chargers. 
worth every penny. When you consider what players make, and there are plenty of players making more than $16 million a year, a great coach is worth a lot more than $16 million a year to a football team. Agreed. Agreed with that. Like, no question. And this is a, a coach, of course, that has got a proven track record. I mean, he's taken a team to the Super Bowl. He won a national championship. This is different than your, oh, wait, you're a first-time head coach and, like, we're throwing money and we're hoping it works out. He's showing us everywhere he goes, it works out. And that is the going price for a top coach in football right now. In fact, it's probably a little less than some of the top coaches are getting, right? We know that, Mike. So uh, don't be shocked by that number. You said it right. Yeah. I mean, it's a big number to the rest of us, but it shouldn't be a big number to the people who are the best at what they do in the NFL. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. Have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow. See you.